welcome to today's episode of the Chuck Shoot Podcast. And if you have not done so yet, make sure to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Uh, today we have on Paul Crosby, who is most known as the drummer of Saliva. Uh, and with Saliva, he had a bunch of songs in movies and TV, on the radio, in commercials. They were nominated for a Grammy. They toured with Aerosmith, Aerosmith and Kiss. They basically got, he got to live out all his rock and roll dreams. So it's cool that now he's uh, managing bands, uh, like the band Silent Theory, who's had some videos blow up on YouTube, and uh, he gets to help uh, other bands live out their rock and roll dreams, so that's kind of cool. So we're going to talk about Saliva, how he joined the band in the early days, all their success, uh, singer Josie Scott, and we'll give his current status with the band, and I pick his brain on some other fun stuff too, so enjoy it. Welcome to the Chuck Shoot Podcast, Paul Crosby, drummer of Saliva, also manager that we'll get into all that stuff, but um, how are you doing? I am great, man. Living the dream, you know, and uh, just staying afloat in these unprecedented times. Yes, these uncertain times. That's uh, what every commercial tells me. So yeah, nice. Well, yeah. So your story is kind of interesting. I, I learned a little bit about you. So your dad was in the Navy, and there was like some guy that he worked with that was in a reggae band, and that's what got you into music was reggae, which is kind of interesting. Whoa. Yeah. That's what got me into uh, into wanting to play music. Um, and th that guy was a drummer, and he let me tap around on his drums. I, I would go to his to, to my dad's friend's band practice. And mm -hmm. I would tap around on drums and play different instruments. So I knew I wanted to play music then. And then um, um, my, we, my parents adopted. I have an adopted brother, and, and he knew how to play drums, and I really looked up to him, and he was always air drumming. So... That's what. I, that's why I was like, okay, now I know I want to play music and I want to play the drums. So that's kind of right. And so then you you asked your parents for a drum set, and like it took like three Christmases to get one because they kept they're like, no, we'll give you a keyboard, and you're like, okay, and then you got a guitar, and then finally they give you the drum because probably because of the noise. But your brother had yeah. one. Yeah. Well, my brother, my adopted brother, didn't have a drum set when they adopted him. He was like thirteen. Oh, okay. But, so he didn't have the drums with him, but he was like. He was always air drumming and stuff, but, wow. but yeah, it took me three Christmases and then, uh, but the good news is, is I learned how to play piano guitar yeah. in the meantime. So, so you can write songs and stuff on the guitar and the keyboard and such. Absolutely. Yeah. So were you, were for drumming influences, you liked, uh, Dave Lombardo from Slayer, Tommy Lee from Motley Crue and Lars from Metallica. And I think was master puppets, the first album that really got you into rock. You weren't into yeah. rock before that, right? Not, not really. I was into when I was a lot younger. I was into like R and B and hip hop and and all that oh. good stuff. And then uh, I, you know, started skateboarding a lot with my teenage friends. And um, um, and somebody popped in. We had the big jam box. You know, we'd always carry around to, to to listen to skate music. And somebody popped in Master of Puppets, and I was like, "Hold the presses! What is this?" Yeah, right. And, yeah, it, it came to the dark side at that point. That's a great album. So. You end up playing the drums. You're in a, a band, a local band called uh, Mother Crush. And uh, the, the drummer quit and you auditioned. You got that gig. And then they played a lot of shows with Saliva. But uh, you ended up leaving that Mother Crush brand, band in, in your mid-20s because I think the, the woman you were dating at the time, you were about to have a child. And she said, look, you don't have to quit music, but you can't like be in a band full time. Like You got to get a day job. So you get a day job. You didn't, you weren't in a band for like six months. It took six months. And then you get a call from Josie Scott, the singer of saliva. And 
he want he said you're the best drummer in Memphis and he wants you to join the band. And I thought this was interesting that your girlfriend at the time or wife, uh, I'm not sure what she was, but she said, you know, if it was anybody else, I would say pass on it. But because it's him, he's going to be a star. You'd be stupid not to take it. And you felt the same way. So what was it about Josie Scott at that time that you guys knew he was going to be a star? Because I mean, people say that all the time. Oh, this guy's going to be a star and they aren't. And But he did. You guys were right. I mean, what did, did go on to be a star? What was it about him? Well, he just had that that it factor. I don't know whatever it is, but he had he has that it factor. And everything he would do in any project he worked with, um, whether it be the band Blackbone he was in before Saliva, any of that stuff, it was just always seemed to instantly, you know, have something, you know. And no matter what he did, it was got a lot of attention immediately. Hmm. He just has that thing you know because the band had kind of already built up a following right before they got signed they had that uh the 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 first album in 1997 just saliva that you didn't play on but they had already kind of built up a following off of that uh i think it was just mostly demos that they recorded right yeah they actually they were well obviously then they were just a local band um getting started and they went into a studio that was in memphis at the time that was called rocking chair studios um that that studio had started its own indie label at the time. Uh, they signed a band called the Six Million Dollar Band. It's just, mm. We're talking way old school. Um, so uh, Saliva went in there just to record their demos. And after they've got they got a few songs tracked, the owners of the studio who had their indie label said, "Man, this stuff's incredible. Well, let's we want to sign you to a deal." So they signed the indie deal. Okay. And, uh, and then they played. There used to be a. Uh, music conference back in the day kind of like south by southwest but it was in memphis called crossroads Mm. and i mean sorry saliva had played that after they recorded that record and in those days those things were full of managers and a and r guys and all that like legit people um and the manager that saliva had for a long time brian coleman who manages nickelback and a bunch of other bands very successful dude uh, he's seen the band and he and he instantly gave them his card and he said, hey, man, I would like to manage you guys. Hmm. I can get you a record deal. I think I can get you a record deal within two years, blah, blah, blah. The band signed on with him. Shortly after that, the drummer parted ways. They parted ways with the drummer. Um, and then I got in the band and then stayed true to his word. We we got we started getting major label offers not long after that. So before so. you got those offers, I mean, you guys were still working your day jobs but you rehearsed five days a week. And then yeah. is this when you had a baby too? I mean, you must've been a pretty busy guy at that time. Yeah, I was, I was, I was burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. We, we rehearsed five days a week. We all, you know, we, we were kind of like had the uh, mentality of if we really want this, we'll, we'll put everything we got into it. So I would get up at five 30 in the morning, go run duct work and attics all day doing heating and air get home from work, eat, grab a shower, go to band practice and be there till midnight, go home, lather, rinse, repeat. Wow. And then you're yeah. doing shows on the weekends as well. Yeah. Wow. And you did that for like a couple of years. Pretty much. Yeah. Until, so then when you guys get the major label uh, offer, is that where you could, you can actually quit your job? Like they give you enough of a bonus or advance or whatever that you could just quit. Yeah. We actually got, um, you know, when we went out and did the first record, every six seconds, the first major label record, yeah. we went out to LA. Um, I still had my own heat and air business and I had, you know, employees that worked for me. So when I went out there to record the record, I had my employees kind of running the, sh- you know, running the business. And then wow. the band was out there for about two or two and a half months. 
they got to stay out there because they all, you know, they all were able to, well, they had to stay out there because they were tracking, but the drums go first. So wow. I went out there for like a week and then I had to fly back home and go back doing heating and air while they were all out there living it up in, uh, in Hollywood. And, um, and then I think it was going to be, I was just tired of the, the grind, man. I wanted to just, I was ready to just be doing music. So okay. we were going to get our, our advance, our big advance when the, the day the record released. And at this point it was still about six weeks away. And one day after a hot day in the attics, I just looked at my, my employees who I was really good friends with. And I said, you know what, dude, today's the day took off my tool belt, put it in the work truck. And I said, all of this is y'all's the truck, the tools, everything I'm done. I'll go home and starve for six weeks until I get this check. Wow. That's pretty ballsy. But also, I mean, obviously it paid off. Like you took a couple risks here by joining the band and then quitting the job. So, I mean, it, obviously it all paid off for you because that album, I mean, it's so great. Uh, went platinum produced by Bob Marlette, who's done a bunch of great stuff. And then your disease, which was the first, I think, was that the first single that was nominated for a Grammy? First single and, uh, yeah, so, and then Click, Click, Boom. That song's been in a lot of stuff, Fast and the Furious, Talladega Nights. Is that kind of like the bread and butter for a lot of uh, music uh, payment at, at this point, getting your songs in a movie or TV or commercial or something? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a that's a big part of it for sure. Um, believe it or not, though, when you whenever I look at royalty statements, always actually makes the most money still to this day out of any of the songs. But click, click, boom's number two. But if you're out, if I'm out and about, and some people go, "Are you in a band?" Yeah, saliva. Where do I know that from? I go, well, you know the song "Click, Click," but oh, you know that's the one that they they put the 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 band name with the music with I was always click, click, boom. Okay. When they play those songs, like in a stadium for like a sporting event, do you guys get a royalty for that? Yep. Absolutely. Is that a big piece too, or is it better to have a movie or TV or? Well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of all about the same. It, okay. You know, wow. Uh, whenever uh, DJs or, or any venues uh, play, even if it's played on like the digital jukebox, you get a royalty for that digital royalties. So that's awesome. So then your second album back into the system um, that stands out. Uh, is that like your, you feel like that's the greatest record that you guys made just the band chemistry and the timing or the producer, or you just kind of happened to catch lightning in a bottle. What do you think it was about that record? That's so great. Well, always was, like I said, that's our biggest hit. Okay. Uh, numbers wise. Yeah. Number two. Um, yeah. But I think honestly, man, I think our epiphany record is every six seconds because we'd spent two years, five days a week in a mini storage, you know, the roll up door, mini right. storage, no air conditioning, no heat blazing. Your dues. And, and we did that on our own with any, no outside influence, no producer, no nothing. Then obviously, you know, the Island records and our Rob Stevenson flew out, seen us in our mini storage and was like, yes, let's do this. And then they flew Bob out and, you know, so, but, but we did all of that without any, outside influence and then when you get to the second record no now you've got the producer bob's amazing but now you got the the producer and the label kind of nudging you in little different directions you know what i'm saying so mm -hmm. uh, but we were still on fire on the second record too man i think we were still in that that groove you know yeah you got to write i think that's cool you guys did a song with uh nikki six and and james yeah. and michael both of 6 a.m but and nikki six yeah. obviously motley crew were you there for the writing session for that or did you get to uh, actually, the story about that is, is uh, Josie had uh, went out to California on a break between records um, to a uh, 
treatment facility. Hmm. Um, and that's where he met Nikki six. Nikki six. was oh. his sponsor. Um, Okay. Nikki six was his sponsor. It was a place called promises out in the, in the LA and, uh, they, they connected instantly, you know, and, um, then we were actually in the writing process for back into your system, except for this time we weren't in a little mini storage. We were in an actual proper band rehearsal room with air conditioning. Nice. We were out there writing and Bob Marlette was out there, you know, helping us, you know, get the thing together. And, uh, Josie said, Hey man, um, Nikki called me last week and said that he had a song that he thinks would be perfect for us. And he, he mailed me a CD and I have it. So we all went down to my car and we popped in the CD. We hadn't heard it. It was Rest in Pieces, the song. And Bob's there. And as soon as it got to the verse and the chorus, Bob's like, score, let's go. We went right in and like just worked it up. And so it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, that's really cool. So then that year, 2003, that's when you did the tour with Kiss and Aerosmith. You, you say, is that still stand out to you as the best tour, like the most memorable one? Well, there's a lot of them that are memorable, but that's like probably the biggest, you know, that's like, I mean, it's Kiss and Aerosmith, you know, we got to hang out with those guys for two and a half months and tour with them. And I don't think it doesn't really get much bigger than that. You know right. I, mean? I know. I'm trying to think of any other bands. That, I mean, maybe the Rolling Stones or something, or if they did a yeah, Led I mean, Zeppelin reunion or something. That kind of scenario, you know, but. that's pretty crazy. It, it's an interesting, it's like. Obviously, you know, it's more about them and then you guys were probably what the openers or something, but they could have probably picked anybody, but somebody must have been a fan of you or the manager liked you guys or something, right? I actually have the inside scoop on that. Oh. Um so the other option was gonna be Billy Idol, which is I'm also a huge fan of. Love him, yeah. I had his guitarist on Steve Stevens, he's great. Yeah, awesome, awesome people, man. Um, but back then uh, you know, we were the new younger band and uh, Gene Simmons had never had no idea who Saliva was. You know what I mean? Mm. And I guess he was the one that was kind of like making the final call on who's going to open the tour. And um, uh, I guess he had mentioned to his son, Nick, hey, the, the, it's it's either Billy Idol or this new band I've never heard of called Saliva. And Nick was young at the time. He still is young, but I mean, he was a lot younger. Right. And he was Oh my God, Saliva. I love that band. Dad, you got to take Saliva. Oh, there you go. He <laughs> saved you. That's awesome. So what memories do you have of that tour? Is there anything that really stands out like crazy stories or, or anything you learned from, I mean, these are legends like Gene Simmons, just his like business mind is this guy. Hopefully learn something from that. Well, one of the cool, there's two cool things that really stand out to me. One is that, you know, I got to hang out with Peter Chris was on that tour. The original, oh, the original drummer. So, yeah. And uh, he, he had his wife out on his bus and he had his niece. So uh, I got to kind of, you know, meet Peter Chris and his niece was like kind of our age. So we all were like hanging out like a big family and I would send messages over to him and he would send messages back. And I was using these really ungodly big drumsticks back then. And I remember one day his niece came over and handed me a pair of his sticks and they're like tiny and he said, she said, my uncle said to tell you that you need to be, you need, your sticks are too big. You're going to wear out your elbows like he did. You need oh. to like downsize. And I actually took his advice huh. from that point on and like played with smaller sticks instead of baseball bats. That's in, why did you have the big ones in the first place? Was it just, it felt easier? Or? I was young and dumb, I guess. I, okay. thought, I thought maybe, you know, it made me hit harder. I hit hard oh. anyway. Okay. I was like, I could have made drums louder, but then I really, you know, you live and you learn. Then I realized the, the sound guy's in charge of that. He can just turn it up. Yeah, that's smart. That's really good. So that was the one thing. Day, what was the other thing? Yeah. The last day of that tour, the very last day, 
Because we we got to see meet Gene and Paul, and then Tommy there was on guitar. Well, they're busy doing press from the time they get their makeup. I mean, they don't have a lot of hangout time. Sure, so we got to hang out with the Aerosmith guys a lot, um, but so we didn't really see them an entirely whole bunch. Maybe like at catering or something like that. And um, so the last day of the tour, we played. We were our dressing room was like the size of a closet that day. And the AC was out in our dressing room. So me and our original guitar player, Chris DeBaldo, were in that. Everybody else had went to the bus after the show. And me and Chris were in there with our shirts off, like sweating, just like cooling down. And um, we had our door propped open with a trash can because the AC was broke. So all of a sudden we see Kiss in full makeup, guitars on. And like it, it was insane. So they, Paul Stanley was leading and they walked past the door. He notices us and he stops and he backs everybody up. And they next thing we know, it's me, Cristobaldo, and Kiss in full makeup in our little tiny closet room. And uh, Paul Stanley goes, hey, guys, we just wanted to tell you uh, we're sorry we didn't have a lot of time to hang out. You know, we're busy doing press, blah, blah, blah. But it was amazing. You guys are you guys are awesome. We'll, we'll definitely have you out on some more shows. Um, and then, nice. you know, Cristobaldo uh, looked at him and, and he said, hey, man, I got a quick story for you. I was about 12 years old and I was in a record store and you guys were doing an in-store and I met you and you signed my record and I asked you what's one thing you would piece of advice you would give an aspiring musician and you looked at me and said perseverance and he said and I took your advice and now I'm opening for you so it was pretty cool oh that's super cool Simmons knuckled me with his big spike suit on and I thought that was cool (laughs) it's cool when stuff comes full circle like that were you a big Aerosmith and Kiss fan well I'm the youngest of five. My older brothers were diehard Kiss fans. Okay. And keep in mind, like I said, I wasn't really into rock when I was a lot younger. Okay. But I yeah. think it's mainly because my brothers were and like they just, yeah, you know, wore me out with it. Yeah, for sure. So the next album, The Survival of the Sickest, uh, Josie said he kind of had to cool down on the girls and the partying and and a focus yeah. on recording. Had that gotten kind of out of control over the last few years of, of your guys' uh, tours and stuff? Well, I mean, you know, we were all a lot younger then, and, and it was phases. We would go, we'd party, and then we wouldn't, and then somebody would try to ease up, and then the other ones wouldn't. You know, I mean, it's just, just rock and roll stuff. Um, but Josie always was the one that had that he could pull himself back. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He always he always had that that smarts about him. You know what I mean? He, mm. he knew when to step up, step off, and focus on on other things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And then that's interesting. You guys did that song with the, the razor's edge had the three doors down singer, Brad Arnold on that. Were you, are you guys friends with him? You've done a lot of shows with those guys, right? Yeah. We've done a lot of tours with him. We were friends with him. Uh, he, you know, came out and sang that with Josie a few times too, while we were on tour. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. yeah that's cool. fun. And then the, the, the next album is funny. Cause I think I had, I'm trying to remember, I think I had either the every six seconds and back into the system, I don't know if I had the survival of the sickest album, but I remember the song for the next album, ladies and gentlemen, because it was in that PS three commercial. That yeah. was huge. It's funny because you guys probably got paid for that, but I feel like oh, yeah. they helped you by selling that song. Cause I remember when I heard that song and I wanted a PS three, but also I was like, what is this? This is before Shazam. So I'm trying to figure out what is this song? This song is amazing. And uh, that was a big one for you guys too, right? Ladies and gentlemen. It was in that PS three deal. Um, they gave us a, a buttload of money to, to use really? it. I think it was like, I want to say we licensed it to them for like 90 days so they could do whatever they wanted with it for 90 days. Okay. And I do remember, this is how, you know, you've made it. Um, 
I do remember any Walmart you went into because this is when the PS3 was just coming out. Yeah, they had the monitors yeah. in there, and that was just on loop in the game section. Oh. So anytime I'd go into a Walmart, I'd see that I go, you know, you've made it. Whenever you're being played at every Walmart in the country, man. That is, yeah, that's got to be kind of surreal. I mean, do you walk in and do you look at people and say, "That's me. That's me playing no, that song." I, I, I would also do. I would do the opposite. I would okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> Do people but recognize? Inside, yeah. I was like, "That's me." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do people recognize you? I mean, because you're not the front man; you're the drummer, but you're still, you know, you're in a big band at the time. At the time, where where you guys all kind of like recognized a lot, or? Well, I mean, obviously, you know how the politics of that works. We, we definitely were, but I mean, obviously, the singers are going to get the main focus, and sure. it kind of trickles down. But I did a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the other guys. We we're. We were all, but a lot of the other guys are called bus dwellers. They 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 like to be on the bus. Not that they were antisocial or anything like that, but I was one of the ones that was always after the show in there meeting people and just I just like to hang out. I'm social, you know. What yeah. I mean? So I got a uh, noticed a lot be, just because I was the guy that was you know one of the guys that was always in there hanging out all the time. You know? And are you making a lot of connections with the other bands that you toured with and stuff as well? Absolutely, I've got a lot of friends still to this day from other known bands by meeting them on tour and, you know, hanging out and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's really, that's really cool. And so you guys had a couple other albums before Josie left. Um, but that last one before he leaves the under your skin, uh, you got to work with producer Howard Benson. I am definitely a fan of his. He's got, that guy's worked with everyone from Chris Cornell, the Kelly Clarkson and Bon Jovi Santana. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Like what was it like working with him uh, as opposed to like Bob Marlette or the other producers you guys have had? Uh, I mean, it was an, it was an amazing experience working with, uh, working with all, uh, you know, all the producers. Um, he was actually working on uh, a big Kelly Clarkson uh, record while we were doing that record. So she was in oh. studio B and while we were in a, you know, so, huh. cool. but the cool thing about Howard Benson is, is, uh, is, you know, you, you go in there and you see he's got the, the album cover from every band he's ever recorded. You yeah. Know, every rock band he's ever recorded has used this same studio drum set that he has. So all those great huh. records I play on that drum set. Interesting. He And yeah. what if some drummers don't want to use that drum? Like he just makes everyone use it? Well, I mean, I, I had the same mentality. I wanted to use my own set. Right. It was kind of like, it was kind of like, just play this and, and let me know what you think. And then it was okay. like, boom, okay, now I get it. I mean, it's just, he's got that it's just that he's just got it dialed in. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And it's yeah, Cause you typically prefer a different drum set for studio as opposed to like concerts. Yes. And no, some woods, some woods are better for, um, or, or studio and some aren't really made for really going on tour. Like, mm-hmm. so you definitely want a maple kit when you're on tour. It's, okay. It's, it's more rigid, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah. I just, I just want something that just, if it sounds killer, I'm good with it. You know? Yeah. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. So that was that last album before Josie left and he, he left to pursue a, a Christian, a solo career. Did he, I, I don't, did he ever release any music as a solo artist? I don't know if I ever heard it. I'm pretty sure he wrote a bunch of stuff. I, I think that, that, um, I think that, uh, he, he, at some point was interested in doing that. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, you know, how much of that came to fruition? Uh, he's definitely, uh, you know, a Christian, and he's definitely a uh, um, very God fearing. Uh, I talk to his wife all the time on uh, on Facebook. We're all we're friends on Facebook, and you know, we keep up with each other and all that stuff. Um, he's doing really well, um, 
But yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure if he ever recorded any of that that stuff. He may have, but I know he had a bunch of material written. But he had. Uh, you guys had his blessing to continue on a saliva with a new singer. Then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. You know, he made the uh, the cool thing about that is, um, you know, he didn't just uh, up and quit one day. We had. We, I think we had like two months worth of shows left on the books and, and he let us know in advance, Hey guys, I'm going to finish out, you know, these shows that we have. And then after that I'm leaving. So okay. it, was, it was pretty cool, you know, very amicable, you know, no hard feelings and, you know. Right. Yeah. And then is there, there's rumors that, or he's talking about coming back for the, the uh, 20th anniversary of every six seconds. I don't know if it was a, for a tour or new album or both. Is there any updates? I know that if something was going to happen, then obviously, you know, the pandemic hit. So a lot of shows got canceled. Is there still maybe plans to get back with him for an album or tour? I mean, honestly, that is a, that is completely his decision. I'm not sure where his head's at with you because the pandemic, you know, there was talk of all that, the pandemic kind of put the brakes on it. And, um, and, uh, and obviously we're still dealing with, you know, remnants of the pandemic. So I'm not sure what's going to play out everything. All I can say is that all of that has been put on hold, at least for now. Oh, so everything's just kind of, so he's not, everything clears up and then maybe we'll revisit it. But you guys aren't writing music or anything like, or not together anyways. No, no. Okay. Well, so yeah, you had a couple other albums with um, the other singer, Bobby. And um, this is interesting. So in 2016, you guys did this big tour, make America rock again. And it was like so many good bands, like trapped and POD and puddle of mud but trapped. I, I got to just ask you about this. You can say no comment if you want, but I don't know if you keep up with the rock news. Um, but the, I guess the singers posted some stuff online and they actually deleted his Facebook page for hate speech. Like, so you've toured with him. I mean, what is your take on that? Do you have an opinion on that whole thing? Like, do you think he t- went too far? Do you think Facebook went too far? Like the other three guys in the band are amazing dudes and they don't share his views. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm not one to trash talk anybody, but sure. you know, obviously, obviously, uh, I think he's got some issues he might need some help with. So but the other guys in the yeah. band are amazing. I can tell you that. They so I just want everybody to know that the other three guys in the band do not share his views. So I, I do see that, uh, uh, you know, all the stuff he was posting was from the trap page, which I think is unfortunate because it, it gives the impression that trapped feels that way. I think if you're going to have your own views like that, they should be posted from your own personal page. Sure. It doesn't bump everybody else in. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and then it's, it's America and everybody is entitled to their own opinion. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Whether whether the rest of us agree with those views or not, I don't agree with any of those views that he has. Um, but it's his decision. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I, I, yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know why he posted it from the band page. Cause yeah, you're right. There's three other people in the band. And so if they don't have those views, they could get lumped into that. Yeah. And that's yeah. unfortunately what I think has happened. I mean, those guys are complete sweethearts, man. The other, the other guys in the band. So. Oh, that's too bad to hear that. Well, so another album you guys did with Bobby, uh, 10 lives in 2018. I think that's your, that's your latest album, right? Yeah. Yeah. That right. one got, I don't know if you saw the re- some of the reviews on that were like really good though. Like I, Blabbermouth yeah, said that it was quite, quite possibly the band's most energetic and catchy offering yet. Very good record, man. You're very proud of that? Yeah, I mean, it's a good record. I'm proud of the guys for that one, for sure. Yeah. Well, God, I hope, I hope that you guys can make a, a new album, whether it's with Josie or Bobby or whatever you guys decide, or maybe a combination of both or something, or I don't know, but it'd be nice to have new music. Right? I'm sure you want to make new stuff, right? Of course, man. That's what that's what we do as artists and, you know, is make new stuff. 
as of right now, we're going to just keep trudging along and 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 uh, doing what we do and let the future kind of dictate itself. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about um, your managing bands now. You're in the, um, you know, uh, you've, you said that like bands kind of exist off the touring and the merchandise right now. And I think also like we talked about earlier with the TV and commercials and stuff like that. Um, but so you're, you've taken some band bands under your wing. What, what are the bands that you've taken under? Well, I've been doing, I've been managing bands for about three years now. Um, I was with another company up until recently. I went back. I started my own management company called Paul Crosby Management. Then I partnered up with another company for the last couple of years. But I just recently went back on my own, back to Paul Crosby Management. Um, so it's not 434 Management anymore? or Is that different? I'm no longer affiliated with that company. Okay. Um, but um, but one of the bands that I I, ha- I only have a, a few bands right now because I took the bands that I you know brought to the table with me. Okay. Uh, one of the bands I'm really um, uh, excited about and pumping hard right now. I've been managing for this is my third year with them called Silent Theory. Okay. Um, their video for their single Fragile Minds just passed 12.5 million views on YouTube, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah, nice. Added to uh, the Danny Wimmer Festival uh, Incarceration that's in April starting to get a lot of good things happening for them. Um, and then I have a, a, a couple of bands that um, I also have my own record label called Pat Groove Records. Right. Um, I saw that. So I am a, I have a couple of bands that I've been working with that we're about to release on my label and, and really get them going. I'm more into, um, you know, helping up and coming bands than I'm, than I'm not really out to look to try to like manage big giant national bands. I'm, I'm, I'm more about, I want to help bands, get to live their dream. Like I got to, you know what I'm saying? That's I think so that's cool. Really me, you know what I mean? I love that. So wait, tell me more about silent theory. Like, is it sound, I don't think I've heard that one. Is it, is it kind of sound like saliva or what kind of music is it? It's man. I, I like to just say, just, just rock and roll, man. You know what I mean? Like okay. I, I'm not really one to lump a bunch of genres and stuff, but I, I wouldn't say they sound like saliva, but uh, they're, they're good rock. And, and anybody watching this should go, just YouTube silent oh, theory. I definitely yeah. will right after this. Yeah. So, so check it out. Check, yeah, for sure. What is, so what's the hardest thing about managing bands? Like, are you kind of like a babysitter for these bands or, or like what role do you play? Like getting merchandising? Are you setting up tour dates, setting up press for the band, all that stuff? Or I do press, I do radio. I set up interviews for the bands, get them album write-ups and get them in web zines. I get them, help them get gear endorsements, submit them to festivals I get I get them on national tours. You know, when the op, when touring was happening, I was really good at that. But now yeah. it's kind of a little harder until it starts again later this year. Um, I just do everything I can as far as to just try to get the just to get them out there and get get them on the radar. You know what I mean? Um, as far as like merch, the bands hand, still handle their own merch. But if they if they need me to help, you know, use my contacts. Hey, do you have a good merch guy that can oh, okay. merch in that direction? Um, I do a lot more for my bands as a manager than any manager's ever done for my bands. I always had outside people, but I'm kind of like a one-stop shop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you do like creative stuff? Like do you tell them to like look a certain way or to act a certain way in interviews or to, you know, like help with the logos and things like that? Or do you, or you know, creative stuff? 
I do. I do a little coaching if uh, if if either a they ask me to or b I say, hey, I like your guys's band, but your image, we need we need to do a little work on that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'll give it. I'll give advice when it's necessary or whenever they ask me. But but a lot of the bands I work with, if they're writing new songs, they'll send me over the demos and go, hey, tell us what you think. Mm. Here's four new songs, and I'll be like, song one and song two, cool. You know what I mean? I'll just give them. I don't force them to do anything. I just okay. guide. Okay. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And then, so what do you take? Like, what is a manager's thing? Is it ten percent or fifteen or twenty or somewhere in the middle or what? It's it's usually between fifteen and twenty percent. Oh, okay. What I do, what I do for my bands is, I will. For the, for uh, I do like a yearly agreement, a yearly contract with them. Okay. And I do a, a small flat fee for for a year. And well, now I have my own label too, but some bands want me to shop to the bigger labels and all that stuff. So mm. the agreement is, let's get you. If we get you a deal or we get you rolling to where you guys is, you know, you're making money off your music, then we'll switch over to. Then I'll take a percentage because a lot of upcoming bands don't don't generate a lot of money. So for one. 10%, 15% of nothing is not a lot of money for me to do a lot of work. Okay. Definitely in the beginning phases, they need to keep as much money in-house as they can to help promote, get gears, buy on the tours if you need to, buy buy PR, whatever. So I try to keep as much money in their hands, you know, and in a, if I get them to where they're generating cash flow, then we get to go to a percentage deal. So, okay. Nice. All right. Sounds like you got it all worked out then. So what do you like better managing bands or playing drums? A little bit of both, but I, I liked, I liked that, the fact that, um, you know, this is my day job managing bands. So, okay. Uh, but I like the fact that even at that, even though I'm sitting at a desk for eight, 10 hours a day, it's still music related. I'm still doing music. So yeah. it feels kind of the same way. You know what I mean? Oh, so you're working eight to 10 hours doing the management stuff then, huh? Yeah. Monday through Friday, man. If, if I'm not wow. on the road, even if I am on the road, but if I'm on the road, I'm at my desk. If I'm at home, I'm at my desk Monday through Friday, full, full time, like day job. Um, and then if I'm on the road, I take my laptop and, you know, I do my thing. And, and so what's more lucrative playing the drums and saliva or managing the bands, or is it kind of comparable or? Both combined together is pretty lucrative. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Wow, that's pretty cool. So then how do you how, do you reach out to these bands and say, hey, I want to be your manager? Or do they send you uh, demos and say, we want you to manage? Or does it go both ways? It goes both ways. I, I'll go on like Reverb Nation and um, and just dig all through, you know, like the, the new bands, un, unsigned mm. bands and see if I see something. I've, I've gotten bands that way mm. where I'm like, wow, this band's cool, blah, blah, I'll reach out to them. But then at the same time, I get submissions sometimes, you know, from bands and they're like, hey, and then sometimes I'll just be on Facebook and there'll be a sponsored ad from a band, you know mm. what I mean? And I'll be yeah. like, let me check them out. And, oh, they're good. Then I'll hit them up and kind of a little bit of both, you know? Okay. That's cool. Is there anybody out there that you're like trying to get to manage that has like turned you down or that you, that you'd really love to manage that already has a manager or something? Well, I mean, like I said, man, if it's a, if it's an up and coming band and I feel they're really good, I I would like to manage them. I don't really have, I guess, just anyone in particular, you Mm. know? Okay. So when you got the call, you got the call to be the drummer of saliva. Did you ever get any other calls throughout the years to, of big bands that wanted or big name musicians that wanted to, you to join their band or work with, work with them on a project or something. Um, maybe like side project stuff. But, but the thing is, is I was always so dedicated to saliva that if I would, I, I would probably have 
turned it down. And and I think that probably would have happened a lot more, except for it was very obvious that I was full bore saliva. You know what I mean? I didn't oh, yeah. really have time for anything else. But I am right now. Um, I have a new a new uh, band together with my two sons called oh. Blood Ties. We're actually recording uh, our first record now, and it will definitely be released sometime before this summer. Okay, cool. So your sons they play uh, sing and guitar, or uh... yeah, uh, both of my sons can play multiple instruments. But oh. uh, my oldest son is is singing and playing guitar. Um, my other son also is singing, um, and doing harmonies and sometimes he's singing the verses and, uh, he does, he's a, he's like a, a EDM DJ. So he oh, does like all the beats for, okay. I mean, I do the drums, but then we're, there's a lot of loops and stuff in there and he oh, does all those. Okay. So. I'll have to check that out when that comes out too. Cool. Have you guys, yeah, yeah. I, I wondered, I always wonder this, I never asked to ban this, but has saliva, have you guys ever done like private shows, like for like super rich guys and or anything like that. Like the, I was, I see that on TV sometimes where they have the bands come in for like these corporate events. Is that something that happens a lot or is that kind of rare? I mean, I don't really, really call uh, that. Ha- when we would do stuff like that, it was always for like Budweiser, like a private oh, event for them versus, that'd be fun. Like a, versus like just a rich dude. Right. But if there's any really rich people out there listening that want a private <laughs> show, hit us up. <laughs> would you charge the same as just a regular, uh, gig fee or would you charge more or less or i mean i don't know i would the kind of the way how we do things is people make offers and we okay. say yes or yeah. no. there you, you know go <laughs> that makes sense so some of the offers that you did say yes to like you did you guys have done a lot of shows with puddle of mud i've noticed are you just like best friends with them or what like i look at through your tour history i'm like oh my god they do like they do so many shows with puddle of mud We've been friends with with well we're friends with all the guys but we've been friends with Wes since actually when we when we went to Hollywood to record every six seconds. They, the label put us up at this, um, this place in Burbank called the Oakwoods. And that's where like a lot of people, like even celebrities that don't live in LA that they're there, like doing a movie part or recording a record there. A lot of people stay there. That's actually where, where Rick James died at, like and Corey Haim died at, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very popular place, but we were there and we were nobodies and we were all at the pool and we, there was a kid at the pool playing an acoustic and we, we met him and we hung out and he was like, yeah, my band got signed by Fred Durst. It's called Pablo Mud, blah, 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 blah. And he played us his demos on cassette. We met him like we, we came out. We've been friends since day one. Um, And we, and honestly, Something about the combination between us and West, man, it, us and Puddle of Mud, it just draws. It's just, it's always good, always. Okay. So, yeah, that's really yeah, cool. We actually got some shows coming up with him uh, in a couple of months because it's the 20th anniversary of Come Clean and okay. the 20th anniversary of Every Six Seconds. So we're going to do a little run with uh, with them, kind of promoting both. Oh, okay. And so do we know who the singer is for those shows? Is it Josie or Bobby? Right now it's Bobby. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, like I said, the Josie thing, it's, it's, uh, it's all, that's all his call. It seems like cool though. Yeah. It seems cool. Like Bobby's like supportive though. From what I've heard, he's like, yeah, I mean, if you guys want to get back with Josie, like that's awesome for like, he seems like, okay. He doesn't seem like he's going to hold a grudge or anything. Bobby's a true, a true music fan. You know what I mean? So that's cool. um, But yeah, like I said, as of right now, we're just continuing on doing what, what we do. Um, with this lineup and that's we're just going to do that and see what happens in the future. You yeah. I mean? You now you guys toured with a uh, Nickelback 
So I got to ask you about that. Why why do so many people hate Nickelback? What, what why are they the butt of so many jokes? Is it cuz they're Canadian? Like what is the you know what the story is there? I think it's because they're so successful. I personally love Nickelback and I'll I'll admit that right here. <laughs> that's an amazing songwriter. I mean the proof is as out there. It's like envy. Success is envy, you know what I mean? And hmm. people hate on what they want. You know what I mean? If somebody yeah. else gets 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 something they want, they hate on them. It's just I, I I actually can't wrap my mind around why there's so much hate for them because they're amazing guys and amazing songwriters and, you know, they have a lot of hits. I mean, I, I think a lot of people probably would be surprised that they like a lot of songs that they write might not even know they're Nickelback because there's so many songs they do that are on the radio and stuff. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Great songwriter. That's really Huge cool. Uh, so what else are you up to? Are you are you still your big fisher guy, right? A fisherman guy. Are you you're doing a lot of fishing? I love fishing, man. We actually just did a show in, in Alaska a few months back and we, uh, we got to go like, we went like four days early and they, the promoter took us on a river salmon fishing trip. And then the next day a deep sea Alaskan fishing trip. And it was awesome, man. Oh, I need to, I need to get into fi- Like, I think when I was, I was just talking to my girlfriend about this the other day, when I was a kid, my dad would take me fishing. And I just didn't have the patience, but now that I'm yeah. older and like, you know, you also, you can drink beer and stuff when you're an adult. And it's a little bit it's different. It's just relaxing, setting all <laughs> yeah. the water in general. Yeah. You know, I can sit on the beach and just be, and be good. But yeah, and I live like right on the water. Um, we have a, pri- a giant private fishing pier, man. Just you're, in Mem- out, you're in Memphis, right? Are you still in Memphis? I moved, I, I'm in Houston. Um, oh, you're in Houston. I now. moved here in 2009. Okay. So yeah. And you like it but there? I'm from Memphis, and I've, I lived in Memphis until 2009. Oh, I love it in Houston, man. Do you, did I you know the, the like some of those Memphis guys, like uh, some of those other bands? Like, I've interviewed like Tora Tora and Every Mother's Nightmare and those guys. Yeah, Memphis is a big little town, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So you, you you know you pretty much know the whole scene for sure. That's cool. Very family-orientated yeah. music circle there. Okay, very nice. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. I do like to end with a charity. If, if there's some uh, charity that you work with or you want to give a shout-out to at this point, I am always 100% about the kids. So I always say St. Jude's Hospital in Memphis, man. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. They help families terminally, kids that could be terminally ill, kids with cancer. And you go there and they completely take care of the families. They put them up in like an apartment. No, but they don't charge any bill. It's all free to help save kids' lives. So, I mean, <sighs> to me, there's no better. There's that's great. Better. Yeah, I've had a lot of people on here giving them a shout out. So that's a great one if people can throw a few bucks. Otherwise, uh, check out your new management, Paul Crosby Management, and uh, follow Saliva and, and stuff on social media. I don't think you're not on Instagram or anything like that or Twitter. Or... I, I have a private Instagram. I just okay. haven't really used it in forever, man. You okay. Know what I mean? so, so better to just my, go to your I, website? My management is uh, facebook.com slash Paul Crosby Management. Okay. Perfect. So, anybody's anybody's interested working with me hit me up yeah and we'll check out that band uh what was it now i already forgot silent theory yes silent theory okay we'll check that out too thanks so much paul i appreciate it thanks buddy all right bye-bye so paul crosby drummer for saliva make sure to follow paul crosby management on facebook to keep up with his managing career uh follow his band silent theory he manages and obviously follow saliva that he plays the drums in uh you know i've never seen saliva live but i would definitely go if they came here and Puddle of Mud, I mean, they're great too. So hopefully that'd be like a package deal. I'd, I'd love that show. It'd be fun. Uh, thank you for listening. And if you want to support the show, you can follow me on social media and like or share the episodes. Or if you have time, you can write me a review on iTunes and tell me what you think about the show. Check out some of the other interviews I've done, like Jeremy Popoff of Lit 
Dave Fortman, who produces uh, Slipknot and Godsmack, uh, Blasco, who's the bass player for Ozzy and uh, Rob Zombie, and tons of other episodes that I've got. Have a great rest of your day, and remember to shoot for the moon.